2: Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners, Brian Siegler, Jonathan Talley, and Shelton Moss. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Katz down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy located at 301 South Main Street in Blacksburg. We all throwing all off here. Last week, we were Wednesday night. (laughs) We ain't done Tuesday in two weeks. Shelton's back. It's Monday, boys, and
3: it's been a long, long weekend. We have not done a Monday night episode, and I cannot remember how long, man. Ooh, Monday yeah. night Raw, baby.
2: Monday night Raw. It's going to be Raw <laughs> We tonight. got a little
3: double feature on the screen back here.
2: <laughs> got a little double feature? Yeah, prayers right up, up for Nick Chul, man. I went and oh, looked. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I went and man.
3: looked.
2: I did. You, that's not good, yeah. and that stinks yeah. for him. Yeah, not great at all. Um, yeah, prayers up for him. Prayers up for the fantasy owners that have him. Because I know some of y'all in big dollar leagues, and y'all took him in the first round. So, you know, you're going to lose your money now. But, y'all, we got a ton to unload. Obviously, we're going to talk about the mm-hmm. Rutgers game. We're going to talk about knowing the enemy in Marshall and everything in between. Um, real quick, as usual, I kick off the episode. Hashtag rally for Robbie. Again, it's another away game. So, go down to the pharmacy. Venmo seven bucks. Get this in support of a great cause. Shout out Grayson out on the West Coast. Uh, Real quick before we get into discussing the Rutgers game, there was a decommitment that anybody that knew anything, when the kid got the offer, he was going to be gone. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And that's Eric Mensa flipping to Ohio State. Everybody that looked into that, anybody that knew when he committed, basically it was said, right? I know we talked about it. All four of us Mm -hmm. were on conversations about it. If he gets Ohio State, he's gone. The whole hope is they land one of their bigger DTs, you know, some top 100 player, and they leave him alone. But, unfortunately, they didn't. Right.
3: Yeah, that was the concern out the gate. Like, we knew – all right. We knew that Virginia Tech was probably a settled selection um, because he had his eyes on Ohio State. Um, He hadn't gotten a committable offer at that time. He wanted to make sure that he had a spot somewhere in a boat that that, that was of his choosing and not having to go with slim Pickens at the end of the cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we were that choice. Uh, Ohio State said, come on in the boat, and here's where we are, guys.
4: Yeah, definitely. Big time, uh, you know, big time loss because I feel like the trenches is what we need both sides of the ball. So uh, to lose a defensive, uh, defensive lineman, I don't know where they're going to put him at, but a big guy like that, uh, definitely not a easy pill to swallow. But like you said, Curtis, kind of uh expected from the beginning because that's just what we are as a program right now we've got some building to do so we can hold on to kids like that and fight off those big programs but at this point we are who we are
2: yep anything additional to add on this shelton or you know
1: no Ohio State gets what they to the once that's how it goes so gotta (laughs) gotta keep moving on and just uh keep finding a way to develop them
2: Yes, it is. All right. Well, boys, that's all we got in sort of the news and notes section. I pulled something out of there because we're going to talk about it later. But let's talk about it. It's to tell the truth Tuesday, Monday night edition. Hokies fall to Rutgers 35-16. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. One of those. I, I told Siegler watching this game. Me and Siegler got up with the families, grilled some burgers out, had a good time.
3: Smash just, burgers were on point. The, the burgers looked good. The I burgers
2: were on point, y'all. Y'all don't know. <laughs> that, that man can cook smash burgers on his griddle. Um, we, we partaked in two, me and him did. Yeah. We grubbed down two. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but I told Brian my first thought on this game was Pitt last year. Yeah. Similar vibes of they got out on us. We clawed back. We're right there. We need one good thing to happen. And then the wheels fell off. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about the wheels falling off, but we're gonna talk about that some things did go well. That's what we start with. We start with the positives. What went well. And Brian, I'll let you uh I'll let you kick it off on the offensive side of the ball. What is the one thing that uh we know went well?
3: Well, it's been a hot fucking topic on the timeline, but drones proved he's quarterback one. That's what happened. Um If you're looking at what Tyler Bowen wants to do from a schematic standpoint on offense, Drones gives us the most complete version of that. Of the quarterbacks that we have on the roster right now that are ready to play, Drones gives us the most complete version of that. And we saw it. We saw it come to fruition with um, the way we were able to generate a somewhat competent rushing attack against the best rush defense we've played so far this season. And a very good rush defense. And I didn't, other than maybe some, and we'll talk about this. Some of the explosive plays, I didn't really see a drop off in terms of passing efficiency. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Very so, Wells esque game, you know, like it was like you, it wasn't, you know, it didn't blow me away with numbers as far as what he did. And I think one touchdown, one interception, nineteen for thirty or nineteen for thirty-one, something like that, hundred and ninety yards. Um, like you said, no no drop off. You carried the ball twenty two times though, for like seventy five yards. We haven't seen that in a while, mm. you know. And and it just to me looked like plays were different when he was in there, you know. And I can say the kid was trying. He's got a lot of stuff to work on, but I can say the kid was in there giving it the his all. He left it on the field, um, and I think that the more that he gets comfortable playing with his guys and and running that offense um i think you you only get better you know that's just me that's what i see that's what i seen watching the game i didn't see somebody who was you know kind of timid and scared to you know make a play um now we had some miscues of course i know everybody yeah, know that good. we got tell the truth tell the truth tuesday monday night raw whatever you want to call it we um, can get there yeah we can't we can't turn the ball over first play of the game but i think you got to go with him the rest of the year yeah
2: Sheldon, what you get? you get anything from a data point that kind of said, okay, here's where we were? I, I don't even want to say the first two weeks. To me, ODU is G5. We played two Power <laughs> 5 teams back-to-back. Yes, they are different. But what, what sort of data points are we seeing that might say where we're feeling in our eyes saying leaving QB1 is drones?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it definitely got better. I mean, the Purdue game from a rushing uh, perspective in terms of EPA expected points added was literally the worst rushing performance by any team, any FBS team in any game this year. So it got better. It did get better. I thought the rushing game was a lot better. Um, they had s- some success running those QB draws. Sometimes there was miscommunication between, you know, the quarterback and the halfback as far as, you know, what they were trying to do. Uh, kind of, you know, not sure uh, where, where each guy was in the backfield. And those things kind of are expected with uh, with a first-time QB starter. But I thought it was good. I mean, I think his legs provide a lot, um, a lot for the team he's much more comfortable as a runner, obviously, than Wells is, and I think he fits the uh, the vision for Bowen in terms of just that, that RPO, you know, zone running scheme offense, in terms of just his ability to create plays with his legs. So, you know, stats-wise, nothing really jumps off the board a ton, but if you're talking about just a relative to what we've seen from Tech the past couple of games, it was a lot better.
2: Yeah, if you say that, and I'll throw up, because you said Purdue was the worst NBA game. First two games this year, net rushing was 120 yards. That is 60- guarding the game. We were at 129 that rushing for the game versus Rutgers. a significantly better rush defense and significantly better defense in general. So I see that and I see 100% improvement. The only thing that changed was Kyron Drones. He didn't have his top two wide receivers. Jalen Lane was out. We know that uh Ali's gonna be out for a while, if not the whole season. And right. the reason for what he did without those two guys on the field, and, and the way I loved it, oh, well, he locked on one guy all day. No, he didn't. Holloway, XGB, Gosnell, even that is, Aiden Green, the freshman, Daquan Wright had to catch it, Daywan Lawton had to catch it. It wasn't like he locked on one guy and that's all he found all day. There were some scramble drills we made the play. But the guy that jumped out as far as I, I'm concerned Daquan Felton proved he is for real. Six catches, 84 yards, and if he doesn't miss that one, I think it would have been – that was a 50-plus yard deep ball, 130-plus and an extra touchdown. Felton's for real. Wouldn't you say stat tally?
4: Oh, yeah, man. He looked good. I've been screaming to get him involved in just the game period. Um, you know, they tried to go long. Uh, to get him involved. But I seen him, you know, one of my favorite plays that I seen them close to the uh, red zone, close to the goal line, they hit him with a screen, you know, and then they just let him work. It's kind of an extension of the running game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just pop up, throw him the ball. Kudos to the blocking, man. Kudos to the blocking when you you get um, your wide receivers out there blocking uh, for a big-time receiver like that. But we needed him to – to get some confidence because he looked so deflated against Purdue, you know, to keep running routes and the players are just not going your way. Uh you're just not getting the looks. You're just not getting you're just not getting the stats, you know. And you can see him on the sideline. I got a video of him on the sideline kind of pacing. He's just he's just frustrated. You know, he's transferred in and he wants to be involved. Of course he is. Of course he does. So to see him get started, I'm hoping it can, you know, give us some kind of spark moving forward because we're going to need it, man. We're going to need all hands on deck. Um, Tucker Holloway is gimpy. He looked gimpy. I said it. When he returned the kick, he looked gimpy. Um, We don't know when Lane's coming back. Jennings is is out for the foreseeable future. Like, uh, Wright was still banged up. We are banged up, man. You know what I'm saying? So, anybody that we can see flash, let's let – hey, Let's let him eat. Please let him eat. What
2: about you, Brian? What did you see from him other than some of the stuff Tally pointed out?
3: So, when I looked at this team, it almost was like we had a similar wide receiver makeup as we had most of last year, just with a little bit of an extra bump, right? Because I feel like Felton's skill set is kind of similar to what Caleb Smith brought to the table. I feel like. Felton is a little bit more physical um, than, than Caleb was, um, but I think that in terms of their overall skill set, good combination of speed and size, right? Um, and then you've got most of the cast of characters that we had last year with uh, with XTB and, and Benji Gosnell kind of thrown in there, um, but it kind of kind of reset the the level of the the wide receiver room again, uh, kind of to that twenty twenty two level. And I thought that given those limitations, I think everybody kind of did did what did what they could expect uh, or the most you could expect from them. Um, I think Felton had a good game. Again, one drop that was you know, pretty big, but I think he uh, showed that he could be a guy that you could lean on when you don't have one or two other guys in the game mm-hmm. for an extended stretch there. So, you know, we'll see how we move forward with that, but um probably his best game all around and obviously you know he he was the more the focal point this week than we've seen the last couple
2: anything on anything data wise on i know we're, we're very very short into the season um with felton but anything on him
1: no I mean, he's graded out fine i know he missed uh he missed one pass block on a screen pass um i think in the first half which was not not great but no i think he's been good and also the um the touchdown they scored was a good, a good route concept. Uh, their Rutgers—I don't know what their coverage was, but they're playing some, you know, deep zone defense where I think the corner was backing off and he kind of came over as a crosser um, and drones hit him for a big score. So, uh, good, good route against that particular coverage.
2: Yeah. So again, offensively, not all bad. I think the other thing that I looked at that caught my eye immediately, with the exception of the last one when we were down 35. To a sixteen, you know how many three and outs we had, notwithstanding turnovers?
4: How many
2: goose egg? Mm-hmm. We did not have one three and out, wow, less the turnovers. Know that. I didn't. Know yeah, that. we didn't have a three and out. We moved the ball every time because if you think about it, we pinned them deep a couple times. We got to midfield a couple times. Right, the third drive of the game, we missed the field goal. Yeah, um, which really was deflating because yeah, it was a thirty-seven yarder. Yeah, you got you know. And John Love had made those. I told Brian, i like, he must have been aiming at the inside of the upright to miss it where he did. Yeah. But that is what it is offensively. Um, let's talk about the defense because we got a couple points for the defense here. Um, they, they're going to come out a little bit more. But, uh, you know, other than that one big explosive run Wimstead had, that 34-yard touchdown run, the other 10 runs he had, were roughly for about fifty three yards. So if you're telling me a running quarterback is averaging five yards a carry all day, every day, twice on Sundays.
4: Yeah, besides that, man, he had 40 yards passing. You know, I know we're gonna probably touch on that here in a little bit, but if you can if you can hold a quarterback, if you tell me we hold a quarterback to 46 yards throwing the ball And they are not running a two-quarterback system. They only have whatever 50 yards passing. I would never think we lose 35 to 16,
3: but
0: Uh -uh.
4: again. You at
3: least think it would be a close game. Like, the the way it turned out, I mean, that ended up being a blowout.
4: Yeah, it all came down to those big runs, like you said, kind of reminiscent of the Pitt game last year, man. You know, you get to the point where, okay, we get a stop here. we we got something and, and and we we let them blow off a big run. Even you know and, and I, again I know we touch on a lot of stuff, but even thinking about that, um, I think it was a third down call, maybe like third and one, third and two, and we got everybody flying inside, and their running back busted to the outside for a fifty-five yard touchdown. Like what a turnover you got! You just can't as, as a team you can't do that.
2: Brian, don't say it yet. Brian's got that play already circled okay. out here. Don't, don't say anything on that.
4: You'll make him jump a
2: segment ahead. A segment yeah. ahead. Um, what else, Brian? Brian, I, I, I felt like sitting with you, you kept saying better wraps, better wraps, especially up front, plus in the front seven, which if the front seven had tackled better against Purdue, they don't get as much as they did um, offensively.
3: Yeah, I thought the tackling, especially with the linebackers improved in this game. Um, I, unfortunately there was other holes that opened up elsewhere in, in that aspect of it, but I, I thought the linebackers played pretty well. I thought the front tackled pretty well. We didn't quite get home on some of those, those blitzes, but I thought we did a pretty good job of, um, tackling when we were in a position to make a play in the run game. You know, the, the, the big problem was, is that we'd have these long stretches of defense where we're forcing three and outs. And then we let a big one go, like very much a boom or bust. Uh, defensive game overall, so it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around that because you know it was uh, again going circling back to Curtis is very much like the pit game where you either were giving up nothing or everything.
2: Yeah. Uh Sheldon, do you have anything on like where we are currently explosive plays wise?
1: I do not, but I can look it up quickly. All
2: right. Well, while he's looking that up, I think something we are noticing is and you mentioned with the 46 yards tally the back-end coverage wise regardless who's back there regardless how they're rotating the safeties regardless if they're putting the young guys in at corner the the back-end coverage those concepts with those young guys are getting it and obviously the guys who've been here a while are absolutely um uh absolutely getting it
4: because and you gotta um, to understand too like this i know this isn't a moral victory podcast or a no excuse podcast but the truth is what the truth is like somebody said the other day we are down three out of four captains the third mm-hmm. game of the season you know uh you got um stroman went out in that game yes he yeah, did i went out and you could see when he went out it was a different defense
2: uh-huh. stroman
4: went out uh keontae jenkins is hurt um you got Jalen Jones and a true freshman back there. Jalen Jones was a wide receiver last year. Yes, and most Phillips was uh, in, high school. in high school last year. So, man, it is, it, dude, we are, I said, man, we gotta be, we, we gotta go tip somebody off, man. We got the worst <laughs> of any college football team I've ever watched. But again, man, it is a lot moving back there, and I gotta give at least some kudos to the young guys, man. They are getting in there. I seen uh, Dante Lovett come in, and, and absolutely put his face in uh, a couple of tackles and that's a big deal we're gonna need we're gonna need stuff like that we're gonna need guys to develop
3: yeah i mean tally you talked about it like we we said at the start of the season we were making our predictions that looking at this roster it's improved but the margins are Mm razor-fucking-thin because when your starters go out you get real young real quick yep and the two areas that we are have some uh, actual experience in are also two areas that we under-recruited for significant years it's mentioned in the D-line and O-line. So th- those are two things that are right now working in tandem that we've got a bunch of injuries in areas that we did improve in in some ways. And you couple that with your other two units are now harder to hide. The two units that you knew were going to be problems this year are harder to hide. So it's, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of snowballing happening happening right now with those injuries. And and that kind of puts us in that situation we were talking about, you know, you're starting to kind of ratchet down those expectations because. We said uh, it. Things aren't going exactly the way you want to from an injury standpoint.
2: Well, you can never predict injuries and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes here, but Sheldon, you said you were able to find it. And I know, I'm going to take this, and we're going to pivot it in a second. But, Sheldon, what are we looking like explosive plays-wise on defense?
1: Not good. I just focus on the explosive rushing plays allowed. Okay. Uh, Tech is 125th in number of 10-plus yard rushing plays allowed. And if you look got 20-plus yards, they are fourth to last, ahead of only Western Kentucky, Buffalo, and North Texas.
2: So 125th, 127 out of 131. So
1: one
2: thirty three actually, yes. Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Forgot you. Yeah, don't, don't sell uh, Sam
1: Houston State sure They got Sam a boy he- corner.
2: <laughs> let's not talk about that offense. Sam too. Houston, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but I think well, let's pivot it over into the what went bad because you know, Brian, go ahead and go to it because you you mentioned it all afternoon, especially after Strowman went out. What's causing the explosive run plays? I'd love to I'd love to have the breakdown of where we went from week two to week four.
3: Oh, yeah, mean, me. I mean, th- I feel like there's a couple things at play here. Number one, we saw kind of the return of the cascade effect from last season, where you have a bad play and that leads to another bad play. the The bad part is is that that happened right out the gate for us. Right, we <laughs> had a we had a fumble. One play later, it's a touchdown. We're already down seven play. nothing. Explosive run play. We- touchdown. We- we- there's been three offensive plays run, and and you started with the ball, and now you're down a touchdown. So,
4: and it was a, nobody touched anybody. No, nah. it was just deflated as soon as you it, get the
3: over like, pursuit. And yeah. then the, the lanes, like it parted like the red sea pal right up the middle. Um, so the other problem is that, you know, we're, we're looking at the safety situation. This goes back to the injuries, but as you said, we've got Jalen Jones, most Phillips playing, a large majority of the snaps in this game. And I feel like from a, from, from the perspective of coverage, there's not a big drop off with those two compared to the, the two starters, Messier peoples and Jalen Stroman. There's not a huge drop off there um, where there is a drop off is in that run, those run fits and the run coverage. We, th- they are struggling right now with fits pursuit angles and pretty much everything that they need to do in terms of run support. Um it, 55, wasn't, 55 it wasn't the it wasn't it wasn't great last week, it was very bad this week. <laughs> well, the 55 yard
2: run, Brian, we were we, we sat there and watched that and as soon as it happened, as soon as they showed the replay, Blind screamed because I think we looked on Twitter and someone was like, "What's Strong doing?" And Brian's like, "They're in man. He's supposed yeah, Strong to go Strong is
3: there. running with his man as he should." <laughs> the safety is supposed to replace that he he is now the force player he was not the force player he well he stayed inside
2: yeah. yeah because if you if you look at I wish I wish we had time to pull it we had to do this 24 hours notice but you said as soon as strong crossed his back he should have taken what three steps and effectively turned his body to leverage inside he didn't he stayed right there the tight end got off on him in 2 seconds off tackle
3: outside Yep.
4: Yep, and yeah, I mean the there wasn't a great pursuit does, angle
3: man. from the from the backside safety either. The, the backside yep. safety over pursued, so it was really both safeties were now out of position. What were you yep. about to say, Tally? I'm just saying
4: that's what a good coach team does. Like they'll they exploit a broken play or a weakness, and you know that play wasn't designed to go for 55 yard touchdown. They were trying to get a first down, yep. but that running back he's he's a good running back and he's a well coached running back and he bounced that thing to the outside and he was off to the races. So those run fits have to get better. If we want to slow somebody down.
2: I like what, what y'all mentioned there. Um, Brian and Tally talking about that first one, nobody wanted to touch anybody. In some of those, we were just way too aggressive. And, and we're, we're, we're talking about there are times they're too, those safeties are too passive and there's times they're too aggressive. And to me, that's a youth thing that's <laughs> a youth thing because there's nothing you can do because yeah. if you tell them hey you gotta be more aggressive and then the next time they be aggressive and they completely overshoot the gap but they completely miss the fit hey you gotta calm down well then they're back 15 yards and the guy's getting way up field yeah. um,
3: Sheldon. well this, this is what happens when you have two guys that are playing that you expected to play 20, 25% of the snaps in the game, playing 70. 75, 80, 90% of the snaps in the
2: game. <laughs> they played all of them.
3: Yeah. And
2: there's only so much because we're. I, I think there's a snap count out there about Mansoor. Mansour's trying to play some. They're trying to put Canteen in those safety situations. They're trying to rotate those guys to help it out. But eventually it's like, they're still. even if you rotate perfectly, they're still going to be playing 60%. Sheldon, were you able to get those, the the, the Moss and Jalen run grades? I I, I just got to hear it if we got it.
1: Um, It was, I know for Jones, it was, it was in the, I think his grade for this game was in the twenties for run, for run defense. So, and for the season, he's in the forties, which I think is, I think is the third worst among power um, five safeties. So, So it's been, it's been rough. So we're not just talking about it to talk about it.
2: We're talking about it to, uh, to bring the point up. But the point also has to be made, y'all. You're not gonna take freshmen, you're not gonna take a guy who's switching positions and make them elite safeties or very high competent safeties in less than three games. Get yeah. your heads out your asses if you're thinking like that. We don't have Strowman back there, My mm-hmm. people's back there. People were dogging on peoples earlier this season. You wish he was there now. You gotta think. Don't just say we need everybody needs to be fired. We need to get rid of everybody. That's not how it works, right, Sheldon? You can't develop someone in three games.
1: Yeah, I would also add to that. Um, Jalen Jones went to Thomas Jefferson High School, which is where near where I live. Shout out to the 804. <laughs> the, the competition level in Richmond City is not great, and also it is not great uh, at his high school. So he was very much a developmental guy that kind of had to come in and learn the game. I would assume that his ranking was because, you know, obviously he's a really talented athlete. But he's very much in like that that early stage of development. So this is not a guy where you can expect him to be, you know, to be productive for you three games into his essentially his collegiate career. So there's going to be some growing pains. All righty. Another thing
2: that went bad, and as I look at the statistics here, is we did not get home any. Mm-hmm. We did not get one sack. We were there a couple times, but I think what sucks even more is we only had three tackles for loss. Yeah. And, Brian, you mentioned this was a chance to exploit them. There, it, we probably should have been closer to seven to nine. But, again, we did miss some tackles. We missed some fits where they were getting positive yards out. Um a- Anything you feel or do you all think this was just tally, Brian, primarily y'all, is just, just this is what that system is. Like, if you do the wrong things up front, even more burn in the back.
4: Well, I mean, even just some of it is is just how tough you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have the good videos. You can talk about lunch defense. You can talk But when it comes down to it, I think we talked last week when somebody pulled somebody down. I think it was Kelly Lawson. Pulled somebody down by their jersey while he was getting blocked. Like, that's just a toughness play. Yeah, you got to be strong to do that, but like that doesn't feel good to get your fingers wrapped up in a jersey and pull somebody down but it's just you want it more than the person that is on the other side of the ball and some plays we don't want it more than them when you go against a team like Rutgers that is coached by their coach I mean everybody knows that they're going to be they're going to be well coached and tough and that's just how they play they just played physical they just more, were more physical than us uh I don't know if it's just because of injuries I don't know if it's just because of youth but we gotta get to the point where we take some stuff personal and we, we go and we produce with that, you know. So um yeah, I see uh I see Andretti. Thanks, man. I see you back. <laughs> I'm I'm you know, just because you put that put his put his quote up right here, man. Put his put his his comment up. The one we said we need Urban Meyer. <laughs> so I'll just I'll tell just speak you that so, I'll speak on that for a few minutes, man. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm not gonna tell you how to be a fan, what to say, what not to say. Uh, But I will tell you, that ain't happening. (laughs) If you (laughs) you sit at home and you fantasize about all this stuff and think about this stuff, you will go crazy. Man, my my DMs and my Twitter goes crazy every day. And guess what? I'll get on there and I'll joke about it and I'll mess with people and I'll let them mess with me. But when I get off Twitter, I got a son that plays baseball. We was at the baseball field all day yesterday. If I sit around and thought about Virginia Tech's program, I would be a depressed motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta <laughs> let it go, man. You know, I get what you're saying, and I understand where you're coming from, but I do also understand how college football works. It ain't gonna happen for us. For us to get where we want to go, people say, Oh, see, this was what happened if we brought Dion in. Dion ain't coming here. You can talk about people that we should have got, we should have got Shane, we should have got Kirby Smart. You don't. It ain't happening. We got Brett Pry, and I'm not saying we got to like him. I got a lot of questions about the coaching staff, but I'm not going to rack my brain about that coaching staff. I'm just going to call it. You said call a spade a spade. I'm going to call it how I see it every week, but I'm going to get my time to vent, and then I'm going to let it go, and we're going to go to the next week. And then if you rack up enough losses, he's going to be gone anyway. I mean, just keeping it real. I kind of take it back. I talk about my son a lot because that's that's – that's what I watch like that's what I equate a lot of sports to my son's team got picked up by a big travel ball organization and people don't understand development anymore my son's team man I've seen these kids since they were seven eight years old my son went into travel ball and he he couldn't he couldn't throw the ball across the field and he was a good baseball player but he couldn't throw the ball from from first to third without bouncing and it's just that coaches have been with them since, like I said, seven, or eight years old and now these kid, these kids are getting bigger, they're getting stronger. and we show up to this um, we show up to this tournament down in in Birmingham. If you guys ever get a chance to go to Rick Woodfield in Birmingham, it is in the ghetto. It is in the hood. It is scary. When you turn on Third Avenue, when you have to pull in them barbed wire fences, it looks a little shaky. But when you get inside, that uh facility and you go see that feel that what the old negro league games were played man it just does something to you man it's an awesome awesome venue you know and i was yeah. so happy that those kids got to play there and we played against a couple of hoover teams uh which you know it's pretty much home games for them we also played at um um birmingham southern college but anyway so those hoover teams are pretty much at home and they have never seen our kids our kids don't count our kids don't go to all star games. Um, they had never seen us. We just showed up and they was like, Who is this team? We were the only team that went undefeated and we kicked everybody's ass and we were much better than everybody we played. So I take that back to the Virginia Tech uh, program. Sometimes you just got to develop, man. And I ain't saying just trust the process. You got to be in the process. You got to, you got to, when you're mad, you got to let the coaches know. It's okay to tweet, Hey, I don't like that. Maybe they'll see it and change it. We've been crying about the quarterback for how long we got to see drones, and we like what we see. So hang in there, man. Hang in there. Don't let it Don't let it tell your day up. Don't let it tell your week up. You know, let it go about Sunday afternoon. Go ahead, Curtis.
2: Oh, I'm getting ready to say I don't know what we would have done 35 years ago, the Frank years. Go look at Frank's record, y'all, up to 1993. Some of y'all would have probably jumped off a building some of those years, two and nine and all mm. that and not having one winning season up from 1987 to 1993. I know it's a different story. It's a different time. It's a different place. But know that everybody has their down. And, and Tally, you've been mentioning them a lot, and I'm going to just say it one second. Go look at where Florida State was just a handful of years ago. Yes, I know they get more elite talent, but Norvell has also developed that talent. Mm-hmm. he got a lot of talented guys, and he's developed them. All right, Brian.
3: What else went bad? From your perspective. <laughs> this is an offensive line podcast, right?
2: This is an offensive line podcast.
3: It is. All right. All right. So, I'm going to say something bold. Um, <laughs> it's not bold. Know, I, it's right. I, say, I, it. say it. Just I, opinion. Mean, I, I, I I, You know, he was getting a lot of props in the season about being improved and oh, being you know, healthy and all this other stuff. Parker Clements is an absolute liability at right tackle right now.
4: Golly. And you
3: watched the tape from yesterday, right? You didn't just. This isn't just. No, game yeah, mode. I watched. I watched the tape. This is not just live. This is. Not, I, I've I've watched everything at least twice. <laughs> his feet are lazy in the run game. He doesn't really bring his hands well. Um, he often looks like he doesn't know what he's doing in the run game, um, especially in something that's not zone, like any anything that has gap scheme. He just looks lost. Um, which explains a lot of last year and most of this year. Um, so I'm just I'm ready to see a mix-up. Whether that's
4: if you don't lose shit, go down fighting.
3: Yeah,
2: let's. Marky
4: Clemens, change it. Hey man, okay. you look cool. You had a cool looking beard one time on a on a on a picture. Royal King probably has a great place for you to work. Yeah, I don't need to be at right tackle right now. Sorry, buddy. Hopefully, you watch this podcast and you say, Fuck that dude. I'm going to go out here and show him. And you plaster my face on the other team's helmet and you go and run through that
3: helmet. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, need, I, I you need to be do, the visualization like uh, what I don't
4: need you to do. Like if fucking behind water your Visualize guard. Visualize
3: me talking shit about and you. Give him the Hamlet, man. <laughs> we don't need to get behind
4: your guard and give him the Hamlet maneuver ever again. We just want you to block, man. But it's not just him, man. Our line has to get better. But, Brian, like I knew where you were going when you said this was bold. It's not that bold, man. It's right. He's got to be better. I know, Sheldon. Sheldon, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You don't have to look nothing up. You probably can just look at the camera and say, yeah, he's pretty bad. (laughs) His scores have to be horrible, man. I think Brody Meadows came in and played much better than, than a lot of people on our line. Just mix it up. Let's mix it up. Let's see some different stuff, uh, because what we're doing is not working.
2: What is that grade, by the way, Sheldon? I mean, I just just for c- confirmation purposes. I mean,
1: I don't I don't even know. Like, I haven't paid too much attention to the O line grades because I feel like there's no point because you can just tell by the eye <laughs> tests they're not they're not getting it done. And that's I mean to me that's an eye test position. Like you can just tell they're not. Yeah. The footwork is the footwork is bad. The angles are bad. The you know the speed they're just they're just not getting the job done. Like they can't. And some of the plays too, like. If we block them upright, I mean, there'd be some big gainers in there, but they just can't – they're just not playing assignment football. Yeah.
2: And right now, drones is the band-aid to the offensive line. It's, again, why (coughs) we went from averaging one a carry to almost three and a half. Right now, I'm going to take three and a half all day because it's a semblance of an offense. It's a semblance of a third and two. You might actually get it. Um, But I think to y'all's point, and and like, you know, you're mentioning bad angles and stuff, Sheldon. It comes to a point in time – right now we've got three, two young guys on the line. It comes to a point where it's like we've just got to keep trying these young guys because if if there is not that big of a difference in the gap between what Parker's doing and what Brody's doing or, you know, if we talked about – I know it's been mentioned Jack Hollyfield. shout out Michael Yost, put Hollyfield at center, get Caden Moore back to his guard position where you know he can be – a, and put Brody at right tackle. And put Brody at right tackle. What's it gonna hurt? You're one and two right now, and you yeah. see where your struggles are, and yeah. you know that is what it is.
4: Part uh, of the thing that part of the thing that we wanted to see last year was we just wanted to see somebody actually fight for the job. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody kind of felt like you know Grant Wells didn't he didn't just have a fire about him. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I know I'm gonna go out here and be the starter. I'm all we got. It is what it is. If I mess up, like scare somebody, you know. Hey, you're not playing no more. We're playing the young guys. You know, sometimes competition breeds some uh uh, uh I mean it's gonna freaking make a diamond or bust a pipe. There you go. Yeah. Let's let's see what team. let's That's see what great. we can find. Let's see what we can find, man. Tell them, hey, sit out for a couple of you're gonna sit out, you're gonna stand over here with me and watch somebody else do it and then rotate them back in. I just need to see something, something yeah. mixed up, man. Because And again, like uh, Curtis has been saying the whole time, I mean, the offensive line is, is atrocious, man. It is it, I don't even know what to say. Like watching some stuff from my standpoint being a, a tight end, like our tight ends aren't great at blocking, but they're blocking better than the line sometimes. Like it's just, it's no heart in blocking. So, yeah. We can go on and on about that, but we ain't got that much time. We,
2: we we don't. We could go on and on, but until we see something different on the field, we we continue to address it under this section because realistically is the only thing that can be done now is they're gonna be they're gonna
3: be here until we, they're averaging over four yards of carry.
2: <laughs> to I mean, Shea Wes Osborne. Yes, we need a flex seal for the offensive line. Yeah. Touche. But they're gonna probably be in this section run. until
3: until they average over four yards of carry. So until until go. they're averaging over what? four yards of carry. They're going to be in this section. Then they're going to be in this section all year. I say if
2: we can stick it three and a half for multiple weeks, we take them out of the section. Because <laughs> the three and a half, if you run it three times three and a half yards, you get a first down.
3: Yes, sir. Well, if we're averaging four, that means we're probably going over 150 a game, which is exactly where you want to be at a minimum. It's, we went 130, we week wanted
2: week drones. Think if the meshes get better. Think if the passing gets better, the lanes will open. All right. Yeah. We, we've hit this already a little bit, but did anything happen we're not prepared for? And I, I got our, our buddy David Cunningham's Twitter uh, up from Saturday night. Two deep injuries. There are 22 people in the two deep, so somebody do the math. Wells is hurt. Jennings is hurt. Lane is hurt. Tisdale is out and didn't hurt. Keonta Jenkins is hurt. Nasir Peoples is hurt. Strowman's hurt. We knew Wright has been banged up. Y'all... That's a third. That's a third of your too deep. Yeah. Good teams who have developed and have good players could potentially be struggling if you have a third of your two deep banged up.
3: I don't even think that's a question. You haven't even mentioned Burgos with his shoulder. Yeah. but He's playing um, at least. Yeah, but I'm saying you, you, you didn't mention that. Hard so. to, yeah, hard to
4: be effective when you. All right,
2: you, now we at nine. We about yeah. to get to half of the two deep is injured it's, in some way, shape, or form about oh, Holloway. Oh on, wait a second! Hold on, wait a second. Galloway's ten,
3: Gallow's ten.
4: Yeah. Did you yeah. mention Peoples?
3: I did mention Peoples. Peoples, Holloway. Peoples, peoples is I, God, Holloway's man. nicked. I think he's still out there doing things though.
4: Yeah, it is crazy, man. It is crazy the injury bug, but it's football. You know, it's like you can never know who's going to be injured and how to prepare for it. But it sucks that it always happens to Virginia Tech. It is, it sucks, man. And it's only the fourth, like we're going into the fourth game of the season and we're talking about them. And we don't know. We don't know what, uh, where these people are going. I think Curtis talked. Um, I don't know if it was the first, if it was the first show of the season or maybe the second when Curtis talked about they're going, maybe it was a rule to implement and talking about the uh, the um, injury report. Yeah. Uh, we talked about if it would, if it would, you know, affect like people knowing the NIL stuff. We, yes, tell us who hurt. So we can just go ahead and prepare. Let me know before the game who's
3: going to play and who ain't. You, you don't like these depth me. charts that no, don't really tell you no, the story? No, no, Don't even release one. Don't even where, release where, one. Where's Pete B's tweet about that? Where's Pete <laughs> B's tweet about Put, Pull know, that find shit it find it, find find B, it, find it, Pete
4: B, my boy Pete B has been fighting more than me on Twitter. Like,
2: he has been fighting. Hey, yeah, Pete I, B,
4: you're, you are a PR nightmare, sir. When, when you're worse than Tyler, you, you it's bad.
2: Well, the the one that got me from Pete, and I love Pete, but nah, Pete's we, we cool. chat. When when Pete said this is the worst loss he'd ever saw, I literally went, dude, uh, when, where were you at 98 Temple? That is the worst loss in program history. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you got the collapse over here. All right, pull it down real quick. I'm gonna address this, then don't put anything out. <laughs>
4: Don't put it out. You got to put nothing out. You got to put nothing out.
2: Leave us in the dark. Yeah,
4: PeeBee's a legend. PeeBee,
2: man. Really, I don't know what else. Because we talked about, you know, not taking away their Russian attack. They went for 256 on us. But, again, I think we're slowly getting to the point where this section gets smaller and smaller every week because you do start seeing things. The only thing I hope is that within the next – few games, we start having positives here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
3: if if we can learn to run the football more effectively Mm -hmm. and if we can learn to stop the rush more effectively, then these two middle sections will get smaller. Yeah. Right? I mean, because most of these middle sections are either stuff that we're struggling with mightily, which is those two things, or Things like injuries, which some we can control, some we, you know, we try to mitigate, but we may not be able to understand the, the, the full scope of what the ask is until we get into the the thick of it, right? So that's that's what we're talking about the run game. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how we pivot this week and what what sort of adjustments we make, especially if the guys at safety are not able to go this week.
2: That's going to be a real issue. Sheldon, anything else you want to add here? You have been very quiet in this section, so I'm going to give you the floor for a couple minutes here.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing is, I think for me, it's hard to really judge the um, efficacy of our defensive backs because they just haven't been tested. I was looking at this number before we got on because I wanted to um, confirm. Tech has the 10th highest opponent rushing rate in the country. So basically the game plan for offenses against Tech is just run, run, run. And we've kind of seen that throughout the course of this season. I mean, I don't know if I could explain this right away. Someone who knows more about the X's and O's could, like, you know, articulate this better. But when you watch these linebackers and safeties, they just – they aren't looking at where the ball is or where it's going to be. And Brian mentioned talk about the bad angles. Uh, I don't think they're just – they're just not anticipating right. And it's an experience problem. It's um, – I think it's also partly, you know, there's some physicality too. Like, obviously, the linebackers have, have sometimes run themselves out of position. But even when they are in position, I think they're just getting, I mean, they're getting beat up physically. Uh, now, maybe that's, you know, a, a strength problem. They need a couple more years in the weight room. But you've got a lot of, you know, tall, lanky athletic guys out there at linebacker, a bunch of, you know, converted safeties, and not a lot of guys that are, you know, big and strong like a prototypical Brent Pye, Mike linebacker. So it's just a combination of poor assignments, you know, not having the right the right uh, athletes out there, uh, and just youth and experience. So lots of, uh, lots of things to correct for sure.
2: All righty. Well, we hope we can get into that. Now here's, we got the laundry list of things going on. Cause now we're going to go what to do better moving forward. And that's actually longer than anything we've discussed tonight. Now I'm going to take the first one here. We already mentioned it once and I'm going to go to a little something that I read, didn't like, and then I listened to something. We're going to, we need to stick with Kyron drones. I think everybody here agrees. I think most of Hokie notion agrees, but if you listened not listened, if you read some transcripts from people putting things on Twitter Saturday night and Sunday morning about the Brent practice conference, you probably were under the impression that Brent Bry said we needed Grant Wells back. I saw that and I was like, that's an unusual statement, especially the way Kyron played. Kyron played pretty well to be a first-time starter on the road against the top 25 defense. So I decided to listen to the full interview and things were taken completely out of context. First of all, did he have some critiques of Conor? Yes, he did. He did. Absolutely. But that was way at the front of the interview. about minute two or three, the comments about Grant Wells were as follows. And this is what people left out. They, he said, and this was all the quotes on Twitter. We need Grant Wells back. How many people did y'all see lose their ever loving minds when they saw that because what they did is they put the critiques of Kyron and then they layered it on top of that actually this is what coach Pry said regardless of our quarterback situation we need grant back and i absolutely agree with that mm-hmm. because right now pop watson is 5 foot 11 185 pounds he is a small small true freshman quarterback i hear that and i'm saying brent Pry's mind is Regardless what happens at the quarterback room, I need two quarterbacks that can play. Because if we are going to run Kyron Drones 20 times a game, he's probably going to get popped once. And we're going to need someone that is, as much as if you want to bust Wells all you want, bust him. But he could go out there and manage a game for a couple series. I that That, that irritated me. Because as soon as I listened to it, I sent it to all three of these gentlemen. I'm like, listen, make sure I'm not losing my damn mind because that irritated me. And a lot of people were up in arms losing their damn mind saying, fire him now. It's like, he didn't say that, though. Listen to the interview. So for everybody listening tonight, next week, don't look at Twitter. Go to Hokie Athletic page. Pull up the interview. Usually it's about seven to ten minutes. Throw on your AirPods and listen to it then you actually hear his words verbatim versus someone chopping and screwing things and definitely looking for clicks. Y'all have the floor now.
4: You all right over there, Curtis? Mm -hmm. Curtis fired up.
2: That (laughs) fires (laughs) me up because you can easily twist something and get people upset and get people Mm -hmm. angry. We were already on tilt come Saturday night after the loss. put that shit out there like that, the way Mm -hmm. it was worded, oh, he thinks Kyron sucks. No, he doesn't. No, he does. And
4: y'all, I I will say he did say uh, that threw me. I ain't gonna say it threw me off because I mean it's. I understand the comment because I play football and I play sports, and it sounds like somebody tell my son. He said he was inconsistent. We got to get better at being consistent. When you have a first time starter, I just feel, and again, Brent Brent Pry is very very candid in how he speaks, which is great when you are interviewing him and when he's out talking and things like that, I think he has to do a little bit different job or find a little bit different way to handle some of the stuff. Because when you have like a first time starter, like Kyron drones, I don't feel that he's got that full embrace of the team and of the coaching staff and even of the fans for him to go and perform yet. You know, I'd like to see Brent take him under his wing a little bit and, and and say, Hey, we, this kid, we're going to work with him. We're going to, and he said a little bit of this, but you know, leading up into the game, it was never you know, hey, Kyron's our guy. We're gonna we're gonna uh, go out there with him and whatever he's got. We got full confidence that he's gonna go get it done. All we heard was, well, it may be Grant Wells. It may, like we haven't got that full endorsement of Kyron Drones to go and be the starter and lead the team. I think he came in and did a great job for what it was, you know. But I would just like. For him just to get a little bit more endorsement. That's it. Okay. Now I'm on this. Let me since Curtis wants to have a little rant. Can I have a little rant for a minute? Because somebody sorry, did sorry. on Twitter and I gotta go, I gotta talk about it a little bit. <laughs> so somebody waits till Monday morning. Again, everybody watching this, I just told y'all how I operate. Yeah, we record on Tuesdays. Today we're doing it on Monday. This is what we do for fun. We are not getting paid by the school. These guys that are on here are my brothers. This is what we do. We talk all the time about Virginia Tech athletics. We talk all the time about football in general. We watch a lot of sports. But what somebody thought would be cool to do was to go on Twitter and tag Boundary Corner Podcast and tag Talibans and say, this guy said the staff is racist, and if y'all are going to back him, I'm never listening to your show again. That's fucking bullshit, and if you never want to listen to me again, fucking don't listen, but if you're going to record something I say, or you're going to quote something I say, please make sure you dig and you find out exactly what I said. My comments were never that the staff was racist and that they didn't like black people. My comments were, there are politics in football. I would like to know who is helping with the decision-making. That's that's where that comment came from. Then... I caveated that by saying, "I live in Alabama. The people here are very blatant when they are racist." That's what I said. I said the fans here, if they don't want a quarterback, they're going to tell me exactly why they don't want him. That's what I said. Never said that Brett Price been on this show. And if I thought he was racist, I wouldn't have. I don't got to have a conversation with him. He don't have to have a conversation with me. But for somebody to go and try to cherry pick a comment and try to think that they're going to do anything to what we got going on here, let me tell you what you can do. I ain't going to even go there. I'm just going to tell you to have a nice day because it's a new week. (laughs) That's all I got to say. But in all seriousness, what what that Twitter user, 123, whatever his name is, uh, what you thought was said or what you tried to make a big thing that was said, a lot of people listen to us, and that's why everybody jumped on your ass, and that's why you had to back off of Twitter. Sometimes you just gotta log out because if you waited till Monday morning, that was near and dear in your heart. You didn't listen good enough. You just took that and you didn't go to church. Go to church, man. Pray about that stuff. All
2: right, Siegel, Sheldon. This is this is clearly we're just opening it up. Feelings
3: hour. We're, we're, <laughs>
2: we're, 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 what to do better moving forward? We've talked about a lot of it.
3: Well, I mean, I'm just gonna say this. I mean, we talk about it all the time, and I, I know I said it in reply to this tweet, but. I mean, we're, 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 open, we're an open forum here, right? Like, we don't really pull punches. We, we, we want the thoughts and the ideas to be out there. So, and we want fans to interact with that. But what yeah. we want fans to do is interact with that in a way that is positive, right? In a, in a way that generates the discussion, pushes the discussion forward, not shuts things down. When you start cherry-picking things like that and twisting someone's words... You're not only alienating the people that enjoy what we're doing, but you're making it so other people don't want to engage and have those open discussions and feel like they can say stuff without, you know, somebody running and running it to Twitter and and making a big deal about it. So just come here and have fun. That's what this is about. Come in have fun, no, nobody, nobody was have trying fun. to ruin anyone's nope. career or like – I'm you know, open, I'm open book. What, what are we doing here?
4: Anybody who has anything to say to me, you can ask just about anybody that follows <laughs> me on Twitter. I don't have a lot of followers. I got a couple of them. But right. anybody who engages with me on Twitter, man, my, my DMs are open. I got plenty of people's numbers. And Blacksburg treats me good when I go to Blacksburg, man. I got a lot of friends there. I wouldn't travel seven hours to a place where I thought people were racist and they didn't want me. So I'm just going to put that out every time I go to Blacksburg and every time I've been to Blacksburg over the past decade has been a movie for me. So I just wanted to get my feelings out and I just wanted to address that because I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to address stupidity too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to say a little bit just so you can get your feelings out. But just like we had a comment section, if you hear me saying something that you don't agree with, please engage and tell me, Tally, I think that was dumb. And we'll have a dialogue about it. So uh, that's what we want here. That's why Curtis and Brian have did a great job setting up what boundary corner is that we do have those discussions, but we're not, I'm not going to take something that anybody in our audience says and twist it around to make it mean what I want it to mean. That's just not what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your opportunity to explain it. And then the person said, well, after the watching the game, I do agree with you. Drone should be the starter. But what are we arguing about? Being what? What, are you what are we what arguing
2: about? about? But you know what else we got to do better moving forward? We talked about the O-line switch. Got to do it. Got to start no. trying it. Sheldon, he laid it out here a little while ago. We are one of the worst teams with explosive run plays. It has to stop. I don't know if that means stack boxes. I, I, I'm not a technical expert. That's why we got Brian and Tally. Sheldon finds the dad. I just talked.
4: No. no. <laughs>
2: that ain't why he got talent. You played at a level I never did. And a lot of people pull can. everybody don't out. Don't like pull a whole
4: yourself. new line in. I don't know what you do. <laughs> <called> <laughs> There's
2: two pieces we haven't touched. And Sheldon could probably find the stats on it right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Y'all, we haven't forced a turnover since ODU. We have turned the ball over four times since ODU.
4: Got to win the turnover battle. We're,
2: lo- we're losing that battle.
4: And in mm-hmm. both
2: games, both games we lost. Significant momentum switches mm-hmm. when we had the turnovers. Yep. That has got to stop. Now, I know I know the meshes and things like that are going to get better. I know. If you're keeping drones there, he's going to get more time with Tud and more count with Malachi. But We have not had a chance to pick or fumble or force a fumble since the ODU game. Right. And it's not good because we're going in that trend where we were last year where we were one of the worst tools at forcing turnovers. We can't live and die like that with the way the offense is right
3: now coming along. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about earlier razor-thin margin, right? So it's like that with the injuries. It's also like that with the turnover battle. Mm -hmm. we are at such a razor-thin margin where we can't make those type of mistakes that give teams extra possessions, that give teams short fields. Right. So we've got to win the turnover battle every week, whether that's Marshall, whether that's ODU, whether that's Purdue, Mm -hmm. Rutgers. We got Pitt in a couple weeks. We cannot lose the turnover battle Mm -hmm. with the depth issues that we have, with the injuries that we have right now. Yeah. That's just that's just the long and short of it. So anybody that's
4: you got to be
1: able to protect the football.
4: Man, you yeah. got college. Oh, go ahead, Sheldon. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna say real quickly that it makes sense why they're not getting interceptions because, as I said, nobody's throwing the ball against Tech. So you're essentially relying on you know forced fumbles, which is kind of hard to do. But to me, the conclusion from that should be just play better, play better run defense. I mean, because if you if you play better run defense, you force them to throw the ball more, and if they throw the ball more, then that's worse chances for picks. I mean, to me, it's really that simple. Just play better on the run. Yeah. Well, usually what defenses Not try
3: to, to do is, is shut down the run game and make them test you down the field, right? That, like That's mm-hmm. generally the way that you try to – I mean, that, that that's the approach that most people have is that we can stop the run, force them to be one-dimensional, make them throw the ball down the field. We have a better chance of turnovers, and things can go our way. You know, We'll live and die with the deep ball here or there, but we might get some turnovers. That's going to help us. If you can't get off the field because they're rushing the ball on you, and if you're giving up long run plays consistently, you're gonna have very limited opportunities, like Shelton said, to get turnovers. I mean, forcing a good fumble outside of a like a strip sack yeah. is difficult. Like that, they don't happen very often.
2: So no, so they do not. All right, yeah. last Shelton Last, yep. Thanks. It's a good call, Shelton, and that's why we he's do. here. Last piece I got before we uh, turn it over we got to finish we have to finish our drives we cannot afford field goals we have to finish stops when we get a team in third and more than five they cannot get first downs that we've seen to me and and maybe the stats aren't on this but as far as it goes from the eye test it feels like third and four it's like hold your breath like man they, they're probably gonna get this mm-hmm. and then the last piece we have to finish in the fourth quarter it's two games now We did not finish the fourth. That was the identity of this team last year. It slowly changed. Getting to the last scene of the game, to me, we can't afford that this year. It needs to get righted quicker, but we
4: need to finish. I agree. Um, I think that one thing we skipped over that I just want to – maybe maybe I just was in my feelings and and missed us saying it, but we talked – probably talked about the, the slow starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, mentioned the slow starts and things like that. Like we got to get off to a fast start in some of these games. You know what I'm saying? We got to punch somebody in the mouth first because in any sport, when you get punched in the mouth, like everybody's got a plan until that happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we were fighting, fighting a losing battle from the beginning of that game because we went out and fumbled the first drive and they go and score. So, we got to go out and we got to we gotta create some things like that first. We got to start getting off to a little bit better start. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, of course, that will help us. But mm-hmm. all the things that we're talking about will help us do that. Got to get yeah. off the field on third downs. Mm-hmm. We got to stop turning the ball over. All of these things that uh, we've talked about for the last, what, hour and, and two minutes here. I know. If we can cut some of that down, it definitely gives us a better shot to win the game, mm-hmm. especially when you're paying people like, Marshall you know not no disrespect to Marshall but like I expect a certain game from a Florida State or Clemson or even Pitt but when you're playing people like Purdue or Rutgers like we got we got to find a way not to give them extra possessions and things like that
3: or give them that hope early on like just think about last year the reason that you know we were able to jump down on BC earlier because we, we, we jumped on them early. We, we mm-hmm. killed their will early in that game with some defensive plays and some timely offense. That you know, they really didn't have a whole lot of pulse, they had to abandon what their game plan was and do something different. You know, why they didn't have that, a lot that of enabled pull? us to tee off on that poor ass offensive line. So, you know, why they if had they if, if we can finally do something like that, that, that would at least help us be able to stay with our game plan, stick to what we do well, and put some pressure on them to have to make a play instead of us having to make a play.
4: I'm going to go to this right quick so we can we can move on. But, Brian, you said you, you brought up BC last year. You know I they didn't have a pulse Because their quarterback was who? Jerkovic. Jerkovic. Please, God, let him roll in there when Pitt comes into town next week. I'm not saying we're going to win, but don't change. Just let him go. Please let him run in there and be the quarterback. It's horrible. (laughs) He is horrible, man. All right. Go ahead, Curtis. I'm going to pitch this real quick and try to do this in
2: as few words as possible. That sometimes can get difficult for us. (laughs) Through the first three games, Shelton, what's the team's identity?
1: What's the team's identity? I mean – Well, I mean, it's changed a lot. Like, ODU, it was, you know, we're going to run the ball in first down no matter what. And it's like, okay, we're going to start passing the ball because if you have no run game against Purdue and against Rutgers, obviously you got a new quarterback. So you're running a lot more, you know, RPO stuff, kind of getting the quarterback involved in the run game. Honestly, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to judge because the personnel keeps changing and there's just nothing that's really sticking. So I would say, obviously, they want to, you know, use a quarterback in the run game. That's that's their offensive identity. Defensively, I just I think they've got no idea what's going on, and I honestly couldn't tell you. So it's just it's kind of a it's kind of a mess right now.
4: Dali, I think right now we're auditioning for uh, NCAA twenty twenty four. Is that when the game come out?
0: That's yeah, what they, they claim. Yeah, yeah, I think that's
4: what we're auditioning for. You know, we're just gonna pick plays and until it until see what works and. Go from there. Hell, I don't know. I'm like Sheldon, man. It's changed every week. But I'm going to say this, and I know you want me to keep it short, so I'm going to keep it short. I could see what the offense is supposed to look like in the Rutgers game. From what I've heard, from what they've been telling us, and from what I've seen in the Rutgers game, I can see the style of offense that they want to run.
3: Um. I'm kind of with Tally here. I, I finally saw an identity on offense this week with Drones as the quarterback. Um, I felt like with Wells, you could see the passing schemes, what they were capable of, especially when you had Jennings in there and Lane in there. You can mm-hmm. see what the, what, what, what the capability is. But in terms of the full scope of what the offense is about, you saw that with Drones in the game. Yep. Um, defensively, I feel like we are scrambling a little bit. And I think most of that is because of the injuries at safety. I think we're still very inexperienced at linebacker and it's showing. And I think we're still a little undersized on the defensive line and it's showing. Mm -hmm. I think cornerback is the only position that I really feel has an identity right now. I feel like they are playing well. They're, they're, they're locking guys up pretty well when, when those situations arise. You know, we saw them throw a decent amount uh in the Purdue game. They they, they, they threw the ball around a little bit. They ran a mm-hmm. lot, but they threw as well. We didn't see a ton of throwing in ODU. We didn't see a ton of throwing at Rutgers. But when they did throw, they weren't effective.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Whether that's on the secondary or not, but right now, statistically at least, they're a pretty good secondary. <coughs> and That's really the only thing. And that's really the only thing I feel like we're leaning on right now from a defense
4: right. perspective.
2: Statistically, until we see more passing. And I think that's where the run game has to get fitted. And I think what my identity is, Brent Pride knows what he wants to do on defense, but right now the pieces aren't there or the pieces are too young and they're making significant errors, especially in the linebacking core and even more so in the safety core. Offensively, I love what you said. I didn't really know. It's like we were this first week, we were this the second week, and we were this the third week. But it goes back to what y'all two just said. How that looked looked like reminiscence of Penn State about five years ago. It looked like Joe Moorhead's offense that I've seen at Oregon, like I've seen at Mississippi State. And that's how you can go. Because I look at our stats here, we had 368 total yards against ODU. 368. That was a full team, right? Jennings played, Lane played, nobody was banged up, Tuden Thomas. Last week, down your two best receivers, brand-new quarterback, we put out 339. Or 319, excuse me. I looked at the math wrong. That's 50 yards difference, and you're missing a hell of a lot of production there. A hell of a lot of production. All right, we are over an hour, so we are going to take a quick pause from our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy.
0: I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. that is a harsh lesson in business
1: sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i
0: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so many more doors the show is called the The deal Deal. listen to the deal listen to the deal on spotify pharmacist i own and operate main street pharmacy here in downtown blacksburg my brother's a pharmacist i'm a pharmacist my uncle's a pharmacist my dad's a pharmacist i remember he would give me m&ms to count in little pill counters this is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor, or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. tailor made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people and live in Blacksburg. That's all I need.
3: As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode.
2: And we are back and we've lost Shelton. He shall return in a moment. (laughs) Now we are going to get into know the enemy and we're going to take a look at Marshall. And we're going to start as always on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to give the floor to Brian Siegla as he discusses the scheme and some things we need to be looking for.
3: Yeah, guys, we're looking at the uh, the Clint Trickett. It's a, it's another Smash Mouth spread RPO. We got a uh, it's a run first scheme. Uh, shocking to say, you know, we're, we're going to have to stop the run again this week. Um, they like to go empty a lot with frequency. They'll split uh, Rasheen Ali, who we'll talk about here in a second, out wide. Um, they'll run some draws out of that. They'll also swing it out there on screens and and swing passes. Um, and they're, they're really heavy on that, but they will take the occasional deep shot uh, in there as well. But it's mostly a lot of the short stuff and a, a heavy dose of the rushing attack. And uh, since we're already here, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about Rasheen Ali. Um, he's their running back. Um, literally, to me, the only player that scares me on yeah. this uh, <laughs> this offense, and it's not just because we have – a, uh, a a really struggle bus, run r- a rush defense right now. Um, he's pretty dangerous. He's he kind of reminds me of a of a poor man's uh, Izzy Abanacanda. Uh, oh my god! He gets to the, gets to the second and third that, level. And he's pretty dangerous. If we can keep him contained in the backfield, I'll feel okay about it. Him getting to the second and third level—that's where he does a whole lot of damage. He can be a uh, a big play threat, but he is very boomer bust. Um, you know, he's not that plotting running back. That's going to get you a consistent, you know, four to eight yards, um, as he's moving through the, uh, the line, he's either going to kind of go for one or two, or it's going to be one of those 15 or 20 or even bigger gains on the running game. So, um, definitely an explosive running back, um, that can make a big play. So we got to stop him. If we do, I'll feel a little bit better.
4: Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say he was. Uh, he had a big year in twenty twenty one. Went for about fourteen hundred yards, twenty three touchdowns. Um, last year, uh, not that great of a year. I think he was injured. Uh, no, he was injured. He only went for about two, two seventy three last year, one touchdown. So had some injury problems there. But this year, you know, he's already gone for uh, two hundred twenty two yards, uh, five touchdowns on thirty six carries. Uh, again, they are using him out of the backfield a little bit, about five catches. 47 yards, there are no touchdowns catching the ball, but uh pretty like you said, Brian hit Nell on the head with him. Uh reminds you a lot of that name that we're not gonna say. Uh, it's <laughs> kind of like Voldemort, like we don't want to talk, we don't say that name on this podcast. Yeah,
3: Curtis will get uh <laughs> some flashbacks, it'll like he's a yeah. again or something.
4: Yeah, it's crazy. But uh he, he's 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 one of the players on their team that kind of like Brian says is a little bit scary. So we're going to have our hands full. We're going to have our hands full, and uh, I hope that our defensive staff are preparing for seeing him. All
2: right. Sheldon, any any deeper stats
1: on uh, Rasheen Ali? He has uh, a 71% uh, breakaway percentage, which I believe is it runs at 15 more yards, and that is uh, third among all running backs in the entire group of five. So, like, uh, like Brian was saying, he's a big time explosive play guy.
2: All right. Well, let's hope the defense can figure something out this week as they prep for him. Um, because if the pass defense is what it is, they're going to have to stop number <clears throat> five, Caleb McMillan. Caleb is a six foot three, 250 pound wide receiver. He was the. Almost the 2,500 prospect in the class of 2018 out of Orlando, Florida, and Edgewater High School was rated a two-star down there and really hadn't been much of a contributor up until this season. Only 198 yards last year with one touchdown. This year, and especially (laughs) last week against ECU, big game, 85 yards, including a 75-yard touchdown touchdown. Brian was that 75 yard touchdown, a make or miss, or was he down the
3: field? Uh, Yeah, he was down the field. Um, He's a guy that can beat you with the, he's a, he's a guy that he's their primary deep threat here. So he's going to be a guy that can beat you deep, Um, but they will use him on those kind of swings and screens as well. So he's, He does a little bit of both, but that big one kind of came off a deep ball. Um, They will occasionally take a shot with him, um, but he's a guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything, but he's primarily going to be a guy that uh, we're going to be concerned about if he's going deep.
2: All righty. Well, let's hope we can stop him in that one. Uh, Tally, who do you got up next?
4: Yeah, so we got uh, Cade Conley up next. He's their tight end. Um, he was pretty interesting prospect, I guess, because he didn't have, show any offers out of high school, didn't even have a rating, went to uh, Central Michigan, transferred from C- Central Michigan to Marshall um, while he was at Central Michigan in 2022. It's like he had 11 receptions for about 168 yards, also not used a whole bunch in the passing game there, but uh, this year, he's already got nine catches for 114 yards. Uh, so it looks like they are using him a little bit more there at uh, at Marshall than he was. I know he's more of a blocking tight end, um, but seems to be an intricate part of their offense. What you got on him, Brian?
3: Yeah, I mean, hes I'd call him a balanced tight end. Um... He's definitely uh, better at blocking than, than being used in the passing game, but he's he's efficient in the passing game. So, I mean, that's a lot of times that's what you want out of a tight end. Guys that can move the stick, kind of a change of pace in the passing game. Um, but he, blocked, he blocks really good for a tight end, blocks with good leverage, so shows surprising power for his size. So, uh, overall, just a guy that can kind of get in there and rough things up a little bit in the run game but still kind of move the sticks for them in the passing game.
2: Right. Sheldon, anything on him as far as grades go? Anything unique, different?
1: Not too much. Pretty much a run of the mill tight end. Um, they do target him a relatively solid amount, especially considering you know they've only played two games so far. They got ten targets, but he averages <laughs> almost thirteen yards a catch, which um, for Marshall is is pretty good. So, uh, also a big time explosive play guy.
2: righty. let's flip over. Let's take a look at the offensive line because they've got a guy. Tally, much like the guy you were looking for, I could not find anything recruiting wide on Ethan Driscoll, who is their left tackle. Number 52, 6'9, <clears throat> 329 pound, a red shirt senior. Holy Cross. Yeah, yeah, big boy. Holy Cross High School in Louisville, Kentucky, where he played D tackle in high school, also played basketball. And if you search his name up, a lot of stuff is coming up. He is getting an NFL looks. He was a preseason All-Sunbelt second team by Phil Steele at Athlon with the Sunbelt Conference coaches. So, Brian, is he good enough to potentially make
3: it to the um, next level? I mean, he's got the right body. Um, he, he, I think from a run game perspective, he's very good. Um, but I'd say overall he's a very balanced uh, – Left tackle shows good footwork and strength in the run game. Um, you know, pass pro isn't exceptional, but above average. Um, so I mean, just overall, he's he's definitely a guy that you know we could really use on our side of the ball. Um, <laughs> at this point, when we look at the uh, the tackles, there, uh, we probably
4: could use you right now.
3: I mean, it'd be nice to have an NFL prospect on our offensive line right now, if we're being honest. Just, you know, because I don't, right now, at least, you know, I know it's still early for some of the young guys, but we, we do not have an NFL prospect on our offensive line right now. So um, they got one. Um, he, like I said, he's pretty solid overall. And I know Shelton's got a couple other uh, guys he wants to talk a little bit about the grades and, and where they kind of rank in the process
1: there as well. So you've got Dalton Tucker, who's played right guard and right tackle. He is a six-year senior, highest credit offensive lineman for Marshall. Um, on the flip side, Altrick Bar- Barlow is their left guard. He has been a lowest credit guy. He's a transfer from TCU. A lot of experience with Trent Holler at center, fifth-year senior, um, very good in pass blocking. Um, one stat that I got, so between Holler and Logan Osborne, who's their right guard, they've combined for 140 pass protection snaps and they have not allowed a single pressure. So Marshall, as a team, ranks top in the country through two games in um, pressure rate allowed. They, they do not give up anything. Now you could say two games, small sample size, not a great competition, that's fair, but they're doing a lot of things very well on the pass protection side so far.
2: You know, do, it's the doing the things right against those lower levels. Yes, now it, it, I, I'm surprised you say that. And then looking at the two games they've played this year because they had a comeback against Albany State. I don't know what Albany State is. I want to say D2. I, I don't think – think They're they FCS? Okay. Yeah. And then ECU last week, same thing. This is not a good ECU team this year, and they had a comeback on them. So hearing how good they played offensively, hearing explosive running plays, something's not quite either – they are hitting home runs at the exact right time to win games. Or there's a lot more that's going on behind the scenes there about why they are struggling with not the best of teams. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball, Brian. Let's talk about the schemes. And uh, something unique we're probably going to see um, from their defensive coordinator, Jason Samora.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's a 4-2-5. It's a I mean, he calls it a 4-2-5. I mean, it looks like a 2-4-5. They, they, they use 2 stand up uh DNs. And the reason i say it's more of a four, a two, four, five is that they do use those, uh, those ends in a lot of zone blitz schemes, right? So they're, they're dropping those guys in coverage on a regular basis. Um, not, not necessarily both at the same time, but sometimes they do, but it's usually one or the other. Um, you know, the he's, he's the new guy um, first year taking over for Lance Gidry. Um, scheme is pretty much the same though. So you're not going to see a bunch of different, uh, different uh, differences from a scheme perspective, but it's deployed a little bit different. You got a new guy that's calling the plays in there.
2: All right, so it's always interesting anytime you see a change in play caller. Um, as we're seeing on the defense this year, um, it can happen and things can change. Let's talk about some of the players on their defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to start with Sam Burden, a six foot two, two hundred thirty pound defensive lineman. He is out of Spanish River Community in Boca Raton, Florida. He is a class of 2018, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. He is a fifth-year guy, probably with a COVID year of eligibility left. Uh, not a lot of offers coming out. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, FIU or some that did give him some offers. FIU was a walk-on offer. Um, but you know what? As a two-star guy, he's gotten to Marshall, and he's actually made a kind of a decent career of it so far especially the last two years 21 and 22 61 total tackles 11 and a half tackles for loss along with eight sacks already starting this year with a strong campaign six tackle excuse me line tackles three and a half sacks brian what is his tape showing as far as it goes and does he stand up or is he up and down with his hand uh, he's the around?
3: stand-up guy unless they go into like a true dime package which they will from time to time. Okay. Um, that dime package is kind of a, a three-man line. Um, so the, the the two stand-up DNs will be the, the, the hand-of-the-dirt DNs and that look there. But um, he's, a, he's a stand-up. You call him outside linebacker. You can call him DN, depending on which way you want to spin it there. But he's their best all-around D lineman. We'll call him a D lineman in this case. Uh, really good combination of strength and speed. Yeah. Um, And he will get, like I said, he will get dropped in coverage on zone blitz uh, calls there. They'll also use him as a spy um, if you've got an athletic quarterback. So look for that if Drones is the guy this week. Um, And like I said, when they uh, rarely go into that dime look, he'll be in that four-eye alignment.
2: We got anything extra on him, Shelton, from an analytics perspective?
1: Yes, he is the fourth highest grading group of five edge rusher. Uh, he's got 12 quarterback pressures and 51 pass rush opportunities, which mm-hmm. is around uh, 25%. So about a quarter of the time he's getting to the quarterback. quarter of the time he's getting to the quarterback, and I hear three and a half sacks.
2: It sounds like when he pressures, it's a third of a time he's getting there when he puts the pressure on. So uh, why do you keep putting higher and higher numbers on all these guys, Shelton?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not going to get better. They They've got a good defense. It's not getting better.
2: Oh, man. Well, who's the next guy we're going to talk <laughs> about, Tally, so Sheldon can make us feel
4: worse? <laughs> talk about linebackers. Eli Neal, the linebacker, where it's number 24. He's about six foot, uh, 226 out of high school. He went to uh, White Station there in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, not a ton a ton of um, big offers out of high school. He had about 15 offers, uh, one being um, – uh, Arkansas sorry one being Arkansas so Arkansas and Marshall offered him uh he went to our um went to to Marshall he is a 2019 guy so he's been there for a little bit he was um 2020 uh all conference USA honorable mention 2021 all conference USA honorable mention uh 2022 honorable mention uh oh, and 2023 He is a uh, preseason all Sunbelt Conference second team with Phil Steele and then 2023 preseason all Sunbelt Conference first team with Athlon. So that's just a little bit of accolades that he's had or how they feel about him. Um, Where's my other stat on him? Just what he's doing this year. Um, From what it's showing, it says he has about 14 tackles uh, so far this year. So. Each game he's had about seven tackles, um, half a sack in the in the first game. That's what I'm seeing on him. Brian, what you got?
3: Yeah, he plays that Mike linebacker for them. He, he's very effective against the run. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be hard finding some space um, in that middle there, um, especially if we continue blocking the way we have. Does a good job of shedding blockers, uses his hands really well, is really physical at the point of attack. Um, the only thing I'd say you can get fooled with some misdirection, whether it's motion or whether it's, uh, using your offensive line to kind of create misdirection, whether it's in a counter, um, or some sort of, uh, RPO going away from the flow. Um, he, he does primarily key on the guard. So if you can play around with that, sometimes you can get him out of position, but very sound linebacker overall and, uh, good playmaker. All right, bring
2: us break break the more bad news. Where is he like the best linebacker in the G five level, Sheldon?
1: Um, not quite, but he does have another good pass rush pass rush grade up at uh, eighty three. Um six six quarterback pressures in uh in twelve or excuse me, five in nine opportunities. So a small sample there, but like I said, I mean these guys just they get to the QB.
2: All right, we, we keep hearing more about them getting to the QB, entire offensive line. You know what? I, I, I joked with them. I'm going to be at my son's baseball game during this game, with the exception of probably about 20 minutes of it. So, if we win, I don't think y'all are going to allow me back in front of the TV, right? especially as good as they are from no. a statistic standpoint. No. No, more,
4: no more VT games for you the rest of the year.
2: Live. I can watch it on replay when it's over, right? Yeah. All right, one more player to hit up here, and his name is Daytoni Smith. He is a defensive back from Highland Springs High School, boys. Highland Springs High School had to throw him on here. Was a two-star prospect when he came out uh, back in 2020. Uh, so far this year, uh, 11 total tackles. He does have one sack. He has a pass deflection played in eight games last year. We also had 18 tackles, three pass deflections, and um, just a very short time frame there. Um, they put him as defensive back. Where is he going, Sigla? Are we going to see him at one specific spot, or does he move
3: around? Uh, he's moved around. I've seen – I mean, he's listed as a cornerback, but uh, I've seen him at safety in pretty much, I'd say, 75% of the snaps I've watched, he's lining up at safety. Um He'll, he'll kind of be that third safety in this look here. Um, they'll also put him at corner, but he's really strong in man coverage. That's where he excels. Um, I haven't seen him play a huge factor uh, in, in run support, um, but when he does, he is very competent. He, he tackles pretty well. And they'll use him in a lot of the blitz packages. He's very effective at getting home. Um, not always getting the sack, but he will get there and cause a little bit of disruption in the backfield.
2: All right, anything exclusive on him, Shelton?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Brian's eye test kind of lined up with most of the grades. Good in coverage, not so good in, uh, in run sport. And like he was saying, he has been used in a lot of uh, different positions. So some in the box, some at free safety, and uh, some in the slot as well. So very versatile, uh, versatile player. All right, it
2: doesn't shock me coming from Highland Springs and what they do out there. So there is know the enemy, some players, and some things to look for during the game on Saturday at 12 on ESPN2 for the second time this year. But now let's talk about what the Hokies' keys are. And I'm going to start with Shelton. Shelton, what is your key for the Hokies this week?
1: Yeah, so I my key was secondary play. I mean, it's got to be better. You look at, you know, the running numbers they've been giving up. I think most of that falls on the guys in the back seven. Um, you look at the, the freshman Tech is playing between Caleb Woodson, Mose Phillips, you throw Jalen Jones in there. Uh, it has not been great. I mean, these are some of the, you know, the worst grades in, in all the Power Five, quite frankly, at their respective positions. We saw them try Montserrat Lane, some at safety, but that's not going to be you know a dependable strategy for the entire game. So um, the secondary play has to be better. I think they need to do a better job of sticking to their assignments and playing anticipatory football.
2: All righty. Sigla, what do you got this week as far as your hokey keys
3: go? Get home. We've got to get in the backfield, whether that's disrupting, uh, using the defensive line to disrupt the rushing lanes, get those tackles for losses, but also getting after the quarterback and putting them behind the chains significantly. Because right now, teams that right now feel that they can run the football against us if the down and distance is... Eight or less, they they're comfortable. Are right, it's third third and eight. Fuck it, we'll run the ball against this team. We'll probably Good. get a first down. We've got to get the, Marshall behind the sticks consistently and make them have to go to the throw. And then we have to continue to tackle well. If we can do that, we can slow this team down.
2: All righty, Tally. I think after hearing Tally wrote this down a, a couple uh, last night, and then after hearing Shelton's, it's even going to be more clear, right?
4: Yeah, we got to keep the quarterback clean, man. Got to keep the quarterback clean. He ran the ball twenty-two times against Rutgers, so he's going to get out and he's going to try to make some plays with his feet. But when he's in the pocket and he's trying to deliver throws, uh, especially after hearing about all the people that they have that are rushing the passer, that are getting home, that are you know just causing chaos in the backfield, we got to keep whoever the quarterback is there upright. If it's Kyron Jones, we got to keep him clean. If it's Grant Wells, we got to keep him clean because if we don't do that, it's going to get ugly for us.
3: Yeah,
2: I agree with you there. i got a little one on the offensive side of the ball, too, and it's going to be third down efficiency. We need to continue the improvement. Purdue on third and fourth down conversions, we were 21%. That took a significant increase, almost 100% increase going against uh, Rutgers. Went up to 39%. We need to continue to do that. If for nothing else, it's going to help the defense. If we're staying off the field, we dominated T.O.P. versus Rutgers. I think that's one reason why the dam didn't break until as late as it did because we did keep them off the field. So keep that trending in the right direction. Keep converting the third downs. Keep converting the fourth downs. I will say this, Brent Pry's aggressiveness this year, I've liked. There's been times where it's like we're not pun, we're not going, to, we're trying to score points, which does make me a happy individual. So, uh, Sheldon, you got one more thing you want to throw in on this?
1: Yeah. So, just to find out where I'm, Marshall. Obviously, they've really struggled to run the ball this year. Um, we talked about their really good pass protection. I think if you're looking for comps to Virginia Tech's previous opponents, their offense is probably not quite as good as Rutgers, uh, but definitely a much more formidable opponent than uh, than Old Dominion was. Um, They have a very experienced defense. They've got multiple fourth-year starters, fifth-year starters, even one sixth-year player. And, uh, you know, bottom line, this is a really, really good defensive program, not just team, but program. You look at over the past three years in uh, SP Plus defensive rankings, 22nd, 41st, and 8th. So they had the 8th best defense of the country last year, according to SP Plus. And that's adjusted for strength of schedule, everything. So that, you know, that takes into account all the teams are playing. This is a really, really good defensive program. So, as we can see by the uh, the Vegas line, do not expect a lot of points. And uh, Virginia Tech is going to have to try really hard to, uh, to get some points on the scoreboard today. So, I expect a grudge match.
2: All righty. Well, let's flip over to it. Let's get to our prediction and big screeners, which this week we actually have a sponsor for this. This is going to be presented by Picks. We are proud to announce a new partnership with Picks for our big screeners and picks segment. PrizePix is a daily fantasy app where you make entries based on player projection. This week, this is my boy, although if he's hurt, I might take this one off. I got Brandon Ayuk going for more than 53.5 yards against the Giants. Um, I'll take Mosert, less than 60.5 against the Broncos. That's my two for the week. picks will match any deposit up to $100 when you sign up using our code B-C-P-I-C-K-S. That's BC Picks. And if you look right there on the screen right now, there is a little QR code. You can also click that or head to BoundaryCornerBT.com backslash BC Picks. Last week, we all picked the exact same record. Everybody was two and five. So if you're betting the lines on our games, maybe not. But we'll oh, take. <laughs> Tally, you're starting it off. What's going to happen this week at Marshall?
4: You know what, man? I'm going to say last week I picked uh, Rutgers to win. This week I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Hokies, man. I I think that we're going to go in. We're going to have a little bit more uh, uh, of a game plan of what we need to do. And I'm going to say Hokies uh, pull this game off, twenty-eight, twenty-one. Not who you got. I'm
3: taking the Hokies, man. Uh, If if we don't get this one, though, I'm going to start having a little bit of doubt creeping in. You're probably going to see another team's logo pop up next week. But I'm going Hokies 27, Marshall 21. I think it's kind of a grind fest. I think we get one late to kind of put it over the top.
1: All right, Shelton. I am taking the Hokies also outright, mainly based on gut feel. I think Kyron Jones, Kyron Jones, is going to make a couple of big plays with his feet. Even though I'm concerned about this matchup because Marshall has some lockdown corners and obviously they uh, they don't really let anyone get to the quarterback. I I just got to go with my gut. And I, my gut's saying VT they're going to make a couple of big plays late and they're going to come away with a, with a close win.
2: All righty, I'm I'm with y'all as well. A little different score, 27-17 here. Um, Hokies win again. It's you call it gut feel, Sheldon. I think it's also you watch them play as good as they are statistically, as good as they are, they have been in two wars. The Albany State game has to be questioned. They were down and had to have two fourth-quarter scores to come back in that game to beat them 21-17. to 17. That's why I'm sticking with the Hokies on this one. All righty. Big screeners time, and good God. When we started talking and texting yesterday with the amount of big games – coming on this week it was insane this is my big screener hey it's going to be on in the afternoon so i will get to actually watch it after baseball we got the colorado buffaloes who pulled out somewhat of a miracle against colorado state for all those i saw somebody put up there the other day i don't know how my body's doing to staying up to two o'clock in the morning y'all are some non-veteran people out there veteran of pac 12 after dark you stay up till <laughs> two o'clock all the time to watch the late games on the west coast and people complaining get up at two or go to bed at two wake up at 6 30 with the kids in this game that is a massive line colorado is going to score points i do not have a doubt about that i do think oregon wins but you're going to give me 19 and a half points with the way Shamir Sanders and that offense has looked thus far. I will take it. I don't know what the over-under is, but lock that up as well because this is going to be a shootout at the Zoo in Yeah, right, Let's see. Who's next on that one? Tally, Tally, who you got?
4: Yeah, man, I'm I'm taking Colorado as well. I think Oregon wins that game. But, you know, 19 and a half points, that's a lot of points, man. I don't think that uh, Oregon – Blows them off the field by 20 points.
2: No way. No way. Uh, you're with me here. All righty. Sheldon, what about this one for you?
1: Um, going with the buffs. Oregon will win the game, but Shador Sanders is a gamer. He's not going to go down without a fight.
3: Brian? We're going across the board here. I'm right there with you. I think uh, you know, Sanders is going to be a gamer. Um, even if they fall behind, one, two, three stores, I think he'll do something late to kind of bring that thing close. Uh, I do think Oregon ends up pulling out the win, but 19.5 is just too much for him. Way too much.
2: By the way, we should have got this line earlier or later, like an hour ago, it went up to 21, just so y'all know. Uh, I'd even be right. hammering Buffaloes even more. 71.5 is the over-under. That seems way too, way too small.
3: All righty, Brian, you are up next. What game do you have on the docket this week? Uh, I got the Ole Miss Bama game, man. I'm. Uh, this is interesting. I mean, it's obviously two two uh, ranked SEC opponents, um, but to me, this is interesting because this might be, depending on what Alabama is able to do. We haven't seen really good offense from this Alabama team in any game so far this year. Um, they're switching back to Milrow. I mean, they they had a quarterback shuffle the last three weeks, so. Um, I'm interested to see what happens here, but I've got Ole Miss. I mean, 11 and a half is a whole lot for a team that's struggling that much to lay, so give me Ole Miss. It'll be a tight one. I think Alabama might squeak it, but if they don't, this could be the earliest that Alabama is a non-factor maybe in the college football playoff. Uh,
2: 2010? Yeah. Right? 2010 was the last time it was this early, and I'm with him. By the way, we caught this line at a great point. This line has went down four and a half points since we locked it in yesterday. Give me Ole Miss as well, especially the way Alabama is struggling on offense. I I, I can't foresee who's going to actually win the game because I feel like saving against Disciples, he always does well. But I'll definitely take Ole Miss with 11 and a half points. Tally, Tally, who you got?
4: Yeah, I'm going Ole Miss as well, man. I mean – uh, Alabama making another quarterback change. They've been in quarterback disarray, worse than the Hokies as far as uh, who's going to play, who's not going to play. Um, Lane, usually if he just goes out and coaches a, a football game, I think it'll be a good game. You know, Lane last year, he, he gets so caught up in the him versus saving thing. He just makes stupid, you know, going for it on his own 30 and stuff like that. If he just goes out and he coaches a football game, I think, We'll have a close game. Again, I can't pick who wins that game, but I don't think Alabama beats them by 12 points. How
1: about you, Sheldon? Yeah, I'm taking Bama, mainly because uh, Nick Saban. Uh, I, I trust a a mad Nick Saban-led team. I know they did not play well. They did not play well last week. I know he's going to give it to them, so they're going to come out motivated this week. That's All fair. That
2: right. right is fair. <laughs>
3: that
2: is very fair. It is. He usually bounces back pretty strong. All right, Tally, where are you going on Saturday afternoon with your uh, big screener?
4: We got to go Clemson and Florida State, man. I mean, everybody picked them to be at the top of the ACC this year. Um, we got Florida State, what, two and a half points? Um, three
2: and a half, three and a half. We called it early. Oh, yeah. it was two? I thought we got it three and a half.
4: We got it two and a half. Two and a half. Mm. Yeah. Um, man, you know what? I'm taking Clemson. I'm taking Clemson in this game. I seen some Ooh. kinks in the armor for Florida State. We've been talking about Florida State being a uh, being a uh, college football playoff team, and and they may, but you know, I think Clemson has something to prove. I seen BC give. Um, I know it was the red Banana game. I know those games are crazy, but I'm not just ready to say Florida State is all the way back. So I'm taking Clemson. Sheldon.
1: Yes, I'm taking FSU. I think uh, FSU is at the point now in terms of their recruiting development where they have the skill guys to compete with Clemson. Personally, I think Clemson's skill players are uh, a little bit average. So I think this is a game where I expect FSU to win. I think they've got the uh, the better quarterback, and they're gonna they're gonna win this game. Yeah,
2: down in Death Valley, high noon. So opposite of the Hokies game. So get you definitely get your two screens going. Um, I, I'm I'm with Shelton on this tally. And I think what happened in the red bandana game was the best thing that happened to Florida State. They got challenged by a team a lot lesser than them in a hostile environment. If they go up there and blow the doors off BC, I might lean the other way. But I think having that adversity, it's an easy thing to coach to. Like, look what just happened. We took our foot off the gas. We took our eye off the prize. We damn near lost to a team that almost lost to Holy Cross and did lose to Northern Illinois. Give me the Knowles. Give me the Knowles by two scores.
3: Oh, okay. I'm, give me the, He's I'm locking waiting. it up. He's locking it up. I'm
2: saying it's going to be a. They're going. They're going to dispatch a Clemson pretty easy. Well, not easy, but you know.
3: Well, I, I'm going with Florida State as well here, and for a lot of the same reasons. Um, you know, I think talent wise they're there, but Curtis mentioned it. They got to test. I think we're going to see a similar type of urgency that we saw from UNC against Minnesota after they had that scare at App State. Um, I think it's going to be a similar type of situation. Florida State comes out focused, ready to handle Clemson. And I think, as Shelton said, the skill position players for Clemson are very pedestrian. Uh, you got Shipley and then a bunch of guys. There's, there's not really a standout, um, a ton of standout skill position players like they're used to having. So give me Florida State here.
2: All righty. And if that wasn't enough, Shelton's pick is, I think, the highest rated game of the week. Number nine against number six. Shelton, who'd you pick on yours?
1: Give me the Buckeyes. I trust Ryan Day. I'm a big Ryan Day fan. I know he's kind of underperformed in, uh, in some of those big-time games, but I think this is the one where it gets him back and he gets a big, uh, I'd say, fan base-inducing uh, confidence win.
2: <laughs> the way they've looked, uh, th- he needs it. All right, uh, who you got, Tally? Tally,
4: man, I'm gonna go Notre Dame in this, man. I just, I've watched Sam Hartman. Uh, they had a show. I can't remember what the name of the show is, but I watched him in high school. Then I watched him in college, and now he's went to Notre Dame. And I, I mean, he's a kid's a gamer, man. I think he's gonna go and he's gonna have a good game, and they're gonna take this one.
2: All righty. I am next on this one. This one is at Notre Dame under the touchdown Jesus. And to be honest, just the way the Buckeyes offense has looked, I'm going to take the three and a half points we're getting with the Notre Dame. I don't know who wins. It's just like the old Miss game. I That game, I can't see Bama winning by more than two scores. This game, I think it's going to be that classic 27-28 game. Whoever has the ball potentially last wins. And I got to go with Notre Dame just because of Sam Hartman. Being at home, um, give me the
3: points. Home dog points, baby. Siegel. Yeah, I'm I'm going Ohio State here. Uh, I think that so far, the Ohio State hasn't really put a, a, a full, complete game out there yet. I think they buckle up for a big ranked matchup and finally do that. And I think they're able to cover that three and a half. I, I think it's still like a six or seven point game, but I think they win by a score late. Wins by a score
2: late. All right. We got one more. It's just another big game this week. It's Saturday night under the lights at Kinnick Stadium where top ten top ten teams' dreams go to die. How many times have people went into that place? They wave to the kids at the hospital, and the next thing you know, Iowa's beating you 13-12 because some fluky stuff happens. <laughs> Brian, you're going to lead out with this one. Um, we talked, We should have held on a few more minutes on this one. Guess when this one went up to today? 13, 13 and a half. 14 and a half. Actually, it's not at Kinnick. I thought it was at Kinnick.
4: Mm.
2: It's, a, it's at Penn State. That's where it was at, at Penn Kinnick. State. It's yep. at Penn State. It went to 14 and a half today. So,
3: Brian, who you got? Well, that's why I got Penn State. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if they were waving at the kids, you know, that 10 and a half and even, you know, what you said, 14 and a half would, would be a little bit much. But uh, in Happy Valley, 10 and a half seems just about right. So I'm going to go Penn State here. Well, my original pick was me looking at it completely
2: ass backwards and thinking it was at Kinnick, not at Beaver Stadium. Well,
4: <laughs> it's on the board. It's on the board not Curtis. Sorry, buddy. Oh, you well, may once, be right. <laughs> once once, <laughs> we'll bet,
2: once the bet goes in, you know, you can't get that ticket back, right? Should have looked right. a little bit closer. It's, it's like being at Vegas, being drunk, making a stupid bet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But my Sometimes hope is it is ridiculous. a low score. I mean, we
3: were, t- we were all two and five last week. I mean, this is just as much of a dice roll as anything, right. man. Exactly.
2: And, and you know what? Maybe Iowa's defense shows up to play, keeps it to an ugly – 21-15 game. Who's got this next? Tally, tally, tally.
4: I got to go with Penn State, man. Just I just looked at it in there at home. I got I got to go Penn State with the win.
1: And Shelton, to wrap us up here. Yes, give me the Nittany Lions. One thing I've learned in, uh, in the uh, betting world is that I don't trust teams that have really bad offenses against teams with really explosive playmakers like Penn State has. Even though Iowa's offense is really good, I just do not trust them go, uh, going in there and uh, getting uh, and uh, covering the spread. So give me a Penn State and their playmakers. By the way, the quarterback, uh, Aller, he's, he's been really, really good this year. So that even adds to my confidence.
2: Very nice. All right. So there are our big screeners and our hokey predictions for the week. Anything, boys, wrapped up in an hour and 50 minutes. Sorry, we had to go on a tangent the first half, y'all. We had, we had a
3: couple rants so we had to get off our chest, man. You know that sometimes we that kind of bumps things up a, an extra 15, 20 minutes. Yes, All right. sir. All right, anything changed? Let me. Oh, I'm looking at my fantasy score real quick. Hey, I, I pulled out the victory, man. Oh, you got another kick,
2: Good Boswell. For you. I got an 18 point lead with approximately six minutes left. So, going for 0 and 2 in fantasy or 2 and 0 in fantasy. So. That wraps up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson.
3: I'm Brian Siegler. Jonathan Taylor.
2: I am Shelton Moss. Visit our website, boundarycornerbt.com to listen to all of our episodes. Check the merchandise shop out. Check the prize Pick site out. Definitely use that code, folks, to uh, get your double deposit there. While you're there, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please click subscribe if you're listening out there on YouTube tonight. Continue to grow there. Also, subscribe to the Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Subscribe and let us play. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long, he plays us in. He plays us out every week. Check him out at jasonlongmusic.com all of his stuff to apple to spotify his youtube his facebook pages he is going to be live uh nowhere this weekend he's taking a break this weekend it looks like we always he said think he you, said the
3: bottle of rye man
2: i think he finished that bottle of rye last weekend to be honest with you <laughs> but anyways as always we thank you guys for listening we appreciate all of the comments and everything that you guys do every week couldn't do it without y'all And as always, let's go.
4: Okay.